seemed obvious to you, where your success just seemed secure. Let's say, for instance, you founded a successful company, a startup. You might look back at this business that you built, and your story about it is, well, I kind of did that. It happened. It seemed obvious. And what happens is you discount all of the hurdles and obstacles and things that got in your way while you're doing it. We call this a fundamental misattribution. What happened was you were just so determined, so convicted, you made a decision in advance that your success was guaranteed. Now the key here is that is the only difference between your success in that area of life and your success in another where you're questioning or unsure or doubting. You can apply this to any other mix of areas. So I've worked with dozens of people who have incredible success, say, in relationships or in their personal life. And their big concern or their big question mark is making their mark in their career, in their professional life, in leadership, in their sense of purpose beyond themselves. They think it just seems so difficult or it just seems so impossible or vice versa. Apply this to whatever area seems obvious or whatever area seems to be your thorny, stuck area. Now, the thing is, over and over again, we have this fundamental misattribution. In at least some part of life, you know, you got to get through a hundred no's, maybe go on a hundred dates before you meet your person. Or maybe, you know, in the context of work or in business, that you got to get a hundred rejections, a hundred no's, fall on your face a hundred times, make a hundred offers before you close the deal, before you get the gig, before you get the thing it is you want. Now, what we do is forget the hurdles, the process, the naysayers, the difficulties along the way, and then use that success against ourselves as if it always was going to happen, as if it were inevitable. Now, of course, in some way it was, but only and dispositively because we decided it would be. Do you follow? The difference between your success in some areas of life and the others where you find great difficulty is a decision upstream that your success is guaranteed. Now, there's this concept in human biology and physiology called hormesis, which is basically that exposure to stress or exposure to some tension or difficulty, some hurdle along the way, is actually beneficial on a cellular level, on a biological level. Now, consider this by analogy, which is all those hurdles, those obstacles, those no's, those fails along the way are actually beneficial. That stress can actually help you grow. Those are just rungs in your ladder on your ascension to your goal. So there are often powerful universal theories that involve integrating systems. So for instance, in the context of health, let's say obesity or weight loss management, it turns out there's a powerful upstream factor, which is sugar consumption. In fact, we're now considering dementia and Alzheimer's as essentially phase three diabetes. So there's all this confusion in the air of all these magic weight loss, injectables, regulating the release of insulin and surgery and the like. 
Now, the thing is, you can spend all of your time exercising or getting these pharmaceutical interventions, treating downstream symptoms, or you can actually nip it in the bud and get the highest leverage, highest being for your buck. And that is eliminating sugar and flour from your diet. By having the discernment, having the judgment to identify sugar as the root source, the root cause of the problem, and that the dysregulation of our integrated systems flow from this. It's the idea of food not just like medicine, but literally as medicine. Now, I want to offer you the analogy to your thinking. If food is actually upstream of all the illness, of all the metabolic dysfunction, of the top leading factors of death, it's our thoughts, the things we fill our minds with, the information diet we consume, that is essentially the analogous form of either health or dysfunction. It is medicine for the mind. When you wake up in the morning, when you go to bed, what is the first and last thing you see and consume and think about? Is it your feed of TikTok? Is it the stream of Instagram? Is the first and last thing you do is comparing yourself to other people around you of how you don't have enough, of how you're not enough, of how you'll never be enough? Do you mindlessly scroll and submit yourself to that system? Your future does not care about your past. Your future cares about the decisions you make today. And you get to re-decide the direction your life takes in this moment. Permission granted. You are not tethered, not anchored to any choice you made in your past. You get to bring that life force, that will to bear on whatever problem it is you want to solve, whatever direction it is you want your life to head in today. I don't care what you did yesterday. I don't care what happened to you last year. I care about the choices you choose to make now. Now, consider this idea of not having enough and this pervasive sense of scarcity. Consider a few powerful questions. How do you have enough in this moment? How have you always had enough? How have you always figured it out? Now, I want you to consider that if there is something that is certain, it is your ability to create enoughness in this moment, the only moment you're guaranteed to have. Sometimes we have these recurring thought patterns, these beliefs that create a feeling of anxiety, of stress, of worry, of overwhelm. And we can consider them just like thought errors, like glitches in the system. Like, you just need an operating system upgrade, right? The presence of that thought, the presence of that belief, even if we take this to the extreme, no matter what kind of material success or achievement you might have, what if those thoughts are simply errors? They're simply mistakes about you, about your capacity. Now, there's a great disclaimer here, which is we're not talking about 
clinical cases and there's all the resources online available to you in those cases. But I'll, but I'll go somewhere that's perhaps a bit taboo and stigmatized. Now I'll tell you, some of the wealthiest, most successful founders in the world have divulged this to me. And some have shared it publicly, which is the brain offering them the thought error that they should end their lives. They should not exist. They should not be. Now again, with all the clinical caveats and all the resources available out there accordingly, consider that the presence of that thought itself does not mean a thing. And sometimes the judgment and shame about having thoughts, even thoughts about not wanting to be alive, it's the resistance and the judgment to that thought that can create even greater suffering. So some of these incredibly successful founders, investors, leaders, they kind of share that with bated breath, as if muttering it with some deep, deep shame behind it, as if it means something's deeply wrong with them. Like the presence of that sentence means they're somehow broken. But what if it didn't mean a thing? What if it were simply like a glitch in the phone? What if it were simply like a glitch in your laptop? It's just a thought error. The brain is just a little confused. What if that were possible for you? So no matter what the subject matter is, consider that every sentence, every line of code that runs through your mind, that is like either medicine for the mind with healing capacity for the mind or a source of brain cancer. We get to make that choice, just like with the food the energy we choose to put in our body. If you're ready to fuel your life with the healthy, nourishing medicine for the mind, and you're ready to transform it to achieve your highest possibility, head to jonathanherzogcoach.com today to book a free one-on-one -on -one coaching call trial. Let's go.